Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, February the 28th, 2022. It is currently 3.36 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. Yes, sometimes I say in the middle of of nowhere, Texas. Sometimes I actually say Ovalo, Texas, but then I'll get an email going, where is Ovalo, Texas? And I respond with, in the middle of nowhere. So it, it's just easier to say, I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located in the middle of nowhere, Texas, because that just saves time. If I tell you Ovalo, you're like, I don't know where that is. And then I have to tell you it's in the middle of nowhere. So it's just best that everyone understands I'm here in the middle of nowhere, Texas, but I have something, 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 something very serious to tell you, I guess I should have put the emphasis on very, very, very instead of something, but I just wanted to start repeating myself to ensure I have your attention. So I need you to stop what you're doing. If you can, I need you to tell everyone around you to be quiet. If you can, if you need to pull over to the side of the road, I need you to listen to me very, very, very carefully because I have something, something, something that is very, very, very important to tell you, all right? I'm trying to make sure I have your full attention by being as annoying as possible. I'm trying to annoy you to to go, what in the world is he talking about, all right? Are you listening? Okay, I need to offer a very strong warning right here. It is a warning that I have offered in many ways throughout much of my Christian life. And sometimes I think there are people out there who take heed to the warning. And I think there's a lot of people who don't listen, but I believe the warning is more important now than maybe it has ever been. I need you to listen to me carefully. All right. I have in my hand, my journal, and I've written the following words in my journal. And I'm just going to read some of the things that I have written down directly into my journal because not only are they a warning to you, they're a warning to me. Not only they're a warning to your church, they're a warning to my church. They're a warning to anyone who professes the name of Christ. Christians, stop. I beg you, I plead with you, stop confusing anyone who is conservative As being a Christian. Stop that. As soon as someone seems to put forth conservative ideas, we we want to embrace them in the Christian world as being a Christian or somehow promoting Christianity or being, we associate them with Christianity. We need to stop that. Christianity is not defined. Listen to me. Christianity is not defined simply by conservative principles. Christianity is defined by theological truths. Christianity is not defined by conservative principles, but by theological truths. And we have replaced 
theological truths with conservative ideas. And if someone seems to be conservative, then then Christianity wants to embrace that because in many cases, listen, biblical Christianity, especially here in the United States of America, in many cases have abandoned theological truths to simply adopt a conservative philosophy. And they now believe somehow that defines biblical Christianity. We have to stop that. We've got to stop all of those things I just said, but stop confusing anyone who is conservative as being Christian. Stop defining Christianity according to conservative principles. And remember, Christianity is not defined by conservative principles, but by theological truths. Stop confusing conservative cultural ideas with Christianity. Just because we look to the conservative world and they have certain ideas about certain cultural issues and we're like, well, look, look, they take a stand against this and they take a stand against that. And we immediately associate those cultural ideas, those conservative cultural ideas with biblical Christianity. Conservative cultural ideas are not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity's quote unquote ideas or conservative ideas are, they, they flow from theological truths. We've got, we, we've got to stop doing this. Well, they, they, you know, that we, this is what we almost do. We abandon theological biblical Christianity simply to embrace conservative cultural ideas and somehow call that Christianity. It's, it's like, think of it this way. It's like there's, there's two, Two books here on, two books here on the table, right? Just think, think of this. I, if, I, if, if you could see the table right now, if I had two books right here, and which I do, I have two books, right? Two books. And I lay them down. They look almost identical, right? And both of them were labeled Christianity, right? Both of them were labeled Christianity. You pick up one and it sounds like it's theological. It's biblical. It's, it's, you see, okay, that is biblical Christianity. The other one, seems to avoid theology and really any meaningful teaching of scripture, but it's filled with all of these conservative conservative principles and ideas. The, I think what has happened for some weird reason, American Christianity has walked up to the table and have picked up the wrong book. Both of them are labeled Christianity, but one of them is fraudulent. One of them is not a true Christianity. It is a counterfeit it's a counterfeit Christianity that, that basically pretends to be Christian, but all it is is conservative philosophy, conservative ideology. And conservatism is not biblical Christianity. Stop confusing conservative cultural ideas with Christianity. Stop confusing conservative economic principles with Christianity. Stop confusing conservative social philosophy with Christianity. Just because something is conservative doesn't mean it's Christian. Christianity is not defined by, by conservative uh, principles and ideas. Christianity is defined by theological truths. Here's another one that I wrote down. And this one is very important. Stop 
confusing, this is very important, the culture war with the Great Commission. Stop confusing culture war with the Great Commission. Christians now seem more dedicated, more committed to the culture war. Well, we're going to fight this. We're going to fight this. We're going to get this book banned. And we're going to take this. And we're going to yell at school board meetings. And we're going to do this. And we're going to fight this. We're going to fight this. We're going to yell. And we're going to scream. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna win the culture war. Nowhere in the Bible does it call you to win a culture war. Jesus did not say go forth and win a culture war. He said to go forth and to preach and teach the gospel and baptizing them and discipling them. Going around trying to win a culture war is not the war we're called to engage in. We're called to fight a spiritual war, not a culture war. But Christians have so like abandoned the Great Commission to go fight the, 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 the latest culture war that Christians are upset about. Whatever it is, we're upset about this. We're upset about that. We're all over social media, yell, you know, posting our angry tweets because we're mad. We're going to boycott. We're going to ban. We're going to yell. We're going to scream. We're going to fight, 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 fight. And all now we, we are, uh, and, and some people's perspective, biblical Christianity is nothing more than a cultural philosophy trying to fight a culture war where they could impose their view of culture upon everyone else. They don't see us as messengers of the gospel. They don't see us of those offering the good news to sinners who need hope. All we care about is imposing a culture war on those who are not saved. I'm pleading with you, we have to stop this. I'll add one more. Stop trying to force biblical morality upon unregenerate people instead of simply offering the gospel to them. We want to run around and try to make unregenerate people live like Christians without them actually being Christians. The unregenerate don't need a new system of morality. The unregenerate needs regeneration. They need salvation. They need the gospel. They don't need your system of morality. You can yell and scream like, I don't like their morality and I don't like their morality. And I'm offended by that. Well, go and yell and scream and fight about with your system of morality versus their system of morality. But even if they embrace your system of morality, they will die and go to hell because a system of morality isn't salvation. The gospel isn't a system of morality. The gospel is the eternal God sending his son to die to save you from your sins by you placing your faith in the eternal son of God and his righteousness is imputed unto you. We've abandoned the great commission. We've abandoned the gospel. We've even abandoned really historical and biblical Christianity and we have replaced it with something completely fraudulent, a conservative political ideology. And many don't even realize it. They haven't even caught on. It's like, I can almost imagine like 10 years from now, 15 years from now, they're going to write history books on whatever happened to biblical Christianity because it no longer exists. No, it no longer exists because it was co-opted, corrupted, and redefined by those who wanted a political movement, a morality movement, 
not a historical theological Christianity. That is what is happening. I keep warning and I keep warning and I keep warning. And I I feel like sometimes that literally, like I'm literally sitting in an empty room in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And sometimes I feel like that I'm, that I'm just screaming inside an empty room into the middle of nowhere, Texas, and no one can hear me. But I do know the microphone is on. I do know the microphone is connected. I do know that I'm broadcasting all across the internet. I just clearly, my message is not resonating with people because I think some people have been so blinded by this fake Christianity. I, I, I don't know why we think we're, well, I, well, I, don't, I don't understand what has happened. Now, the reason I'm bringing all of this up on this Monday afternoon, February the 28th, is because at what time did I see this? Let me see if I can find the date and time. At 12.35 p.m., so today, Monday, February the 28th, at 12.35 p.m., from a Christian website, I see the following headline. Prominent Christian leaders and groups face reckoning over praise for Putin. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are you talking Vladimir Putin? Are you talking the Russian president, Vladimir Putin? You're, tell- you're telling me that prominent Christian leaders and groups have offered praise to Vladimir Putin of Russia? Like, when was this going on? I must have missed it. And I, you know what? I'm not shocked that I've missed it because I've said so many times that so much of Christianity has embraced this almost, I don't even know what it is. It's some, it's some form of Christianity that I don't recognize, I don't understand, and I don't want to be a part of. And you know what? I'm not welcomed in it. I'm the outsider in it. I'm, I'm, because I don't buy into this conservative hijacking of, of biblical Christianity. I want to be conservative in my theology. I am not interested in being associated with your conservative political corrupting of biblical Christianity. I want to be as conservative as the Bible is, but for theological reasons. And I want to present that theologically, biblically with the gospel first, not politically. But so many of, of, of the evangelical world have, have bought into a Fox News, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck mentality. But so, so what, so what's going on? Let's, let's look at this news article. Prominent Christian leaders and groups face reckoning over praise for Putin. For most of the past century, America's conservative Christians and conservative politicians were united in the firm, firm belief that the communist USSR and later Russia was anti-American, anti-God threat to the world. Now let's stop right here. They say America's conservative Christians. I hate that terminology. There was a time, I believe, within Christian history that to be called a conservative Christian meant you were being identified as being conservative theologically. You were conservative biblically. But now if you're called a conservative Christian, that is now connected to conservative from a political identifier not a theological identifier. I don't want to be a so I don't want to be called a conservative Christian. 
I want to be called a historical, biblical, theological Christian. Not, I don't want the word conservative anywhere near me. I don't even want to get a million miles close to it. Because to me, it's nothing but poison. It hijacks Christianity where we're not seen as gospel-focused, but political-driven. But in the past, American conservative Christians and conservative politicians were united in their firm belief that the communist USSR um, and later Russia was anti-American, anti-God, and a threat to the world. In the 1950s, a young Billy Graham preached the Cold War as a holy crusade. In the 1970s, Hal Lindsey's the great, uh, the late great planet Earth claimed that uh, the biblical book of Revelation said the Soviet bloc would play a major role in the apocalypse and the second coming of Christ. Oh, I remember in the 80s and even in the 90s, Russia was the was evil and Russia was ungodly and Russia was atheistic and Russia was bad and Russia was bad and Russia was bad. Oh, I, I grew up in the 80s. I know. Okay. I mean, there was a whole Rocky movie about it, right? Okay. All right. So they go on. But that script has been flipped during the last decade as traditional family values have brought together supporters of Christian America and holy Russia. Okay, wait, wait, wait. What happened? What crazy world, upside down world am I living in? Now, here, so let me add something else to my journal here. Stop confusing traditional family values with biblical Christianity. Just because someone wants a quote unquote traditional family values doesn't mean that they're approaching it from a biblical theological perspective. And again, we want to, in many cases, Christians want to impose traditional family values on the unregenerate. The unregenerate don't need traditional family values. They need the gospel. Then after they are saved, then as you disciple them, you teach them biblical family values. We keep getting it all wrong. We, it's like we want to fight these battles culturally. We want to fight these battles politically. It requires us to, to fight them from a gospel-based focus. A handful of U.S.-based Christian nonprofits have consistently praised Russian President Vladimir Putin as a global beacon of hope. No, wait, 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 so wait, wait, wait. There were Christian... Nonprofit organizations and Christian leaders praising Putin like what in the world was going on? Now listen, they praised them for their both for families and for the survival of Christianity. Oh boy, we have a lot to talk about here. When Christians feel that the survival of Christianity is dependent upon political leaders. At that point, we begin to systematically destroy biblical Christianity. 
when we look around and go, wait a minute, the only way for biblical Christianity to survive is we have to put our focus and energy on that politician or that political party. And we have to affiliate ourselves with that party and we have to support it. And we become, now we become politically driven, politically focused to supposedly save biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity will not be saved by a politician. Biblical Christianity will not be saved by a political party, a politician, or anything like that. Biblical Christianity will be saved by the God of biblical Christianity. And our job is to, to preach biblical Christianity, do our best to live according to it, repent when we fall short of it, get back up, move forward, but continue to be gospel-focused. Think of it this way. Now, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think this is what we've witnessed. For some weird reason, Christians have fallen into a complete panic that the biblical Christianity is going to be wiped off the face of the earth because bad liberals or bad whomever. And they've become so focused on the saving of biblical Christianity that they've turned to politicians. And so in order to save biblical Christianity, they've almost abandoned biblical Christianity. In order to save biblical Christianity, they've almost written it out of existence so that they could create their mutated hybrid that is 80% politic and 20% Bible. That is exactly what has taken place. And who would have thought Vladimir Putin would be the, the, the hope for sur- the survival of Christianity? In February and March 2014, Putin invaded Ukraine and annexed the uh, Crimean Peninsula, right? The Billy Graham Evangelistic Association featured Putin on the cover of the March 2014 issue of Decision Magazine, ignoring the invasion, but praising the dictator's stand, protecting children from propaganda of of homosexuality and pedophilia. So he he basically annexed Crimea, or the Crimean Peninsula, to say it correctly, all right? So February, March 2014, he invades Ukraine, he annexed the Crimean Peninsula, Crimea. He then the Billy Graham Association then puts him on the cover, ignores the invasion, ignores everything he did, praises him for him protecting children from the propaganda of homosexuality and pedophilia. Hey, let's ignore anything he did because somehow he's he's taking a stand for conservative values. He's taking a stand for values. We don't need a political leader to stand for these values. We fight a spiritual war and we try to change the world through the preaching of the gospel. Christians keep wanting some political solution. They, they've abandoned, they, I think we've lost hope. I, you know what? I think, I think, I think this, we just need to acknowledge it. A good portion of Christianity no longer believes the gospel is effective, no longer believes it's powerful, believes it's useless, and they think the answer to everything now is political. And now, I know they'll immediately push back and say, no, 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 no. But they'll say, no, 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 no. And then wait for it. Dramatic pause. But, and the minute they say that, they just cancel everything else that they just argued uh, uh, to me that they are in agreement with. They cancel it all out. You know, yes, we believe in the gospel, but 
we think we need Trump. We think we need Putin. We think we need Republicans. We think we need to win the midterm elections. We've got to win the general election. If we don't, the future of Christianity is gone. We don't know what to do. We've got to change this world that's, that's falling into sin. Well, where in the Bible does it ever say the problem of a country falling into sin is political? It's always the same. Go and preach. Jonah wasn't sent to get someone elected in Nineveh. Hey, Jonah, you got to get some people, uh, you got to get some the right politicians in power in Nineveh. You've got to do that. You know, go and preach. The disciples were like, hey, this whole Roman Empire thing is all messed up. You go and get some new people in power. No, go and preach. The answer has always been of evangelism and discipleship, not politics. So he ends up on the cover being praised as protecting children from the propaganda of homosexuality and pedophilia. Okay, so who cares if he invades a country? Who cares if he annexes Crimea? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? We don't care about that. We've got a culture war to win. We don't care if he's fighting an actual war and people may die because we got a culture war to win. We, we're pro-life, remember? To be clear, I'm not endorsing President Putin, wrote Franklin Graham president and CEO in the 2014 cover story. Isn't it sad though? So, so I, I'm going to put him on the cover, but I want you to, know, I'm not endorsing him. But then he goes on to say, isn't it sad that America's own morality has fallen so far that on this issue, protecting children from any homosexual agenda or propaganda, Russia's standards is higher than our own. That's, you want to fight a cultural war thinking that you're going to praise a political leader for their fighting a cultural war. What you say is, hey, wherever the standard has fallen, the gospel is needed. They go on to say, I think Russia, now listen, this, this is... I can't even believe that this is actually, was actually written. I, and I quote, I think Russia is the hope for the world right now, said Larry Jacobs, ma- managing director of the Rockford, Illinois-based World Congress of Families in 2014. So Russia is the hope of the world. Russia's invasion of Crimea led the World uh, Congress of Families to cancel its 2014 gathering in Moscow that year, but the nonprofit continues to partner with Russia's religious and political leaders. The Russians are not our problem, said the American Family Association, Brian Fisher, in a 2018 post about then-President Trump and the 2016 election. All right. Over the last eight years, Franklin Graham has had private meetings with Putin and members of the inner circle, and then it names uh, some of them. Uh, In fact, he met with the Russian official responsible for overseeing Crimea's political interrogation integration into Russia after the 2014 invasion. The person he met with has been sanctioned by the U.S., but Grandma said it was an honor to meet him, a very gracious man. Putin began uh, massing troops on Ukraine's border in April 2021. Three months later, Graham traveled to Moscow to meet uh, with a number of other, uh, with religious and government leaders. The September issue of the Decision magazine covered the visit. And it's good news section reporting the two had met for two hours. This is the time for the U.S. and Russia to stand together, Graham said after the visit. Hey, he's, he's massing troops on the Ukraine border, but this is the time that America and Russia should stand together. Like what? 
I don't understand what world I'm, I'm living in. Not everyone agreed. The meeting between America's most prominent evangelical and one of the most prominent sanctioned politicians in Russia uh, fits a broader year-long pattern of Kremlin-connected officials cultivating relations with American Christian fundamentalists. During his 2021 visit, Graham gave a, a half-hour interview to RT, a Russian propaganda outlet, and that many would argue that it, some, some would say it is, it, some would say it's not, but okay. Uh, Graham declined to say whether the 2020 election was conducted freely and fairly. Of course, because, you know, that's a whole Christian thing about the election being stolen. We won't even get into all of that. Um, let's see here. Which organization is this? Oh, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. They have it abbreviated BGEA. All right. Um, has worked with Russia since... Uh, Billy Graham's 1992 crusade and says it has much to show for it, organizing some 100 associate festivals, hosting more than 20 schools of evangelism, broadcasting more than 900 Russian language hours of decision radio programs, dubbing and producing 20 films and video programs, translating more than a dozen books by Billy and Franklin Graham and publishing a Russian language version of the decision with original content. Though Franklin Graham has said he repeatedly talked to Russian government officials about U.S. relations, and other political matters, he pushes back against claims that he has strayed from his work as an evangelist. This was not a political meeting. I'm not a politician, he said. I'm a minister of the gospel, and I'm working to strengthen relationship between Christians and our countries. That's what my father did in Russia, and that's what I continue to do in many countries around the world. But Decision never did, a co- never did cover stories on Russian strongmen when Billy Graham was alive. In other words, there's been a change in how they cover what they do there. All right? And they go through and they continue with, uh, I mean, you, you can, they go through a lot of the, the history here. I'll, I'll just read the last uh, paragraph here. All right. Um, uh, well, let me see. Well, let me just go back up here. I'll go back up to a couple of paragraphs. Russell, uh, Russell Moore, director of Christianity Today's Public Theology Project and former president of Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, has pushed back on the idea of using religion as a tool for gaining political power. If the church is simply a cultural vehicle for national stability and pride, then one can hardly expect dictators to do anything other than to manipulate it, he said. That's a very good point. And his recent article at Christianity Today, he said, the witness of the church itself is at stake because a religion that dismisses, dismisses bloodthirsty behavior doesn't even believe its own teaching on objective morality, much less in a coming judgment seat of Christ. Why would anyone listen to such a religion on how to find peace with God and gain entrance into the life to come? And that's exactly what happens. When we associate ourselves with political ideas, political parties, politicians, and then something goes horribly wrong, we are still left associated with that political system. And if you're running around saying that Putin is the hope of family values and the hope of Christianity, and then when he does these horrible things like invade another country and children and people start dying, then people are like, Christianity there's nothing, there's, Christianity is just a political movement. It's just a political ideology. So why would they listen to us? Why would they have anything to do with us? Evangelical Christians should watch the way Vladimir Putin 
uh, evangelicals should watch the way of Vladimir Putin. And we should recognize it whenever we are told, whenever we are told that we need a Pharaoh or a Barabbas or a Caesar to protect us from our real or perceived enemies, more continued. Whenever that happens, we, re- we should remember how to say in any language, no. No, we don't need a Pharaoh. We don't need a Barabbas. We don't need a Caesar. We need Christ and we need Christians who are committed to the Great Commission and to the gospel. That's what we need. Stop fighting culture wars. Stop looking to politicians to either give us more political power so that we can impose our cultural war on the unregenerate. And there's a lot more in the article. If you would like to read the entire article, go to julieroys.com, julieroys.com. You'll see a picture of Franklin Graham meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Because, you know, that's, that's what Christianity has turned into. I, I don't know what else I can say. I'm not as interested in every detail of that news article. I'm just using the news article just to back up to some degree my warnings. We, we watch Christians do this with the whole, I will call this the Trump test. I think, I think President Trump turned out to be a test for the evangelical church. Where are we going to put our focus? How are we going to conduct ourselves? How are we going to handle ourselves? And I think for the most part, the evangelical church failed. Then we were given the COVID test to see, okay, the world's in the middle of a global pandemic. Where, where would the church put its focus? Where would the, will the church focus on ministering and helping and serving and showing love and compassion and trying to help people and preserve life? Or will the church become self-focused on political battles and fighting and rebelling and arguing? And where the church, we saw exactly what the church did. Now we have another challenge. The world has more problems. Now we have a war breaking out. Who, who, who knows how far it could spread and how bad things could get? See, the thing is, if the church stays out of the culture war, stays out of the polit- politics, no matter what the world, no matter what happens in the world, right? No matter what's going on in the world, if it's burning down or if it's building up, if it's a time of great peace or if it's a time of complete, total anarchy and upheaval, the church should remain the same. We preach Christ and him crucified. We offer salvation to those who believe in Jesus Christ. We call people to a life of following him. We try to teach them to obey. We teach the word of God. We preach the word of God. We teach doctrine, theology, church history, Bible study methods, hermeneutics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing changes. That's how it's supposed to be. Think of how many times Christians have either got themselves involved in a cultural war and then find themselves later on the wrong side of that cultural war. I mean, there was a time many in the American church supported slavery, supported laws that denied civil rights to people because of the color of their skin, because they got involved in politics and then end up having the wrong political view. In fact, not only the wrong political view, the wrong moral view. Because they couldn't see things from a biblical perspective because they were so blinded by politics, culture, 
and that kind of thing. And we can just go on and on and on. The church is constantly finding themselves. That's what we become known for. I'll never forget. I'll just end with this. I'll never forget. 1980s. Okay, in this part of West Texas, I've told you a story a million times, that it was crazy here in, in, in this part of West Texas in the 80s. There were some small towns that had banned dancing. See the movie Footloose. Um, even though that didn't take place in Texas, I think it was based off uh, one of the directors or one of the writers hearing about something in West Texas. Um, and there were churches were all yelling and screaming about rock and roll is going to be the end of the world and, and Satan was going to destroy everyone. We're all going to die and it's the end of the world and Satan's coming and Satan is running. They were all involved in this, you know, got to fight the culture war. We got to fight MTV. We got to fight Ozzy Osbourne. We got to fight Black Sabbath. We got to fight Iron Maiden. We got to fight Judas Priest. It's, it's, we got to take a stand. It's all going to be the end. And so they were going to, they wanted to, you know, burn records and yell at, at young people for their rock music. Instead of offering the gospel, they just didn't want them to listen to rock and roll. It was just crazy, right? So now I, I become a Christian in the midst of all of that chaos and insanity. Well, I'm, I'm driving to Cisco Junior College, right? Because I'm taking classes there at Cisco Junior College. And as I drive to the college, I drive right past the Taylor County Coliseum. And I noticed that on the sign, they were saying that a big concert was coming to Abilene. The rock band Poison was going to be playing, right? The rock band Poison, very popular in the 1980s. We could go through their, all of their, their hit singles if we want. And I'm like, well, okay, well, There's going to be, because back in the 1980s, most of the concerts, uh, the ticket, the, the, for the tickets, the way they worked, they were general admission, meaning you didn't have a saved seat. So people had to get there hours and hours and hours and hours early so that you could get in and, and find a place where you could either sit or stand wherever you wanted to be. All right. And as someone who's went to bazillions of concerts, I've talked about my love for music. I mean, there was a part of me that wanted to go to the concert, but I felt like, well, all these young people are going to just be standing out there. Well, here's a great opportunity that I could just show up, have some gospel tracks, have a Bible, and just start walking and talking to them, presenting the gospel to them. Not there yelling about their music, not there condemning poison. Just try to talk to them as human beings, treat them with some kind of dignity and respect. Don't be abrasive. Don't be confrontational. Just try to offer the gospel. All right. So we got there early and we did that. And we had some interesting conversations. Oh, some of them tried to push back or try to be mean, but you know, we're not going to, not going to buy into that, you know, try to turn the other cheek concept of scripture, not going to have any major arguments and just do what we can, just do what we can. And I'll never forget that the news media was there covering the concert and they walked up and said, what are you doing? And we said, well, we're, you know, we're, we're here trying to, you know, pre, uh, you know, preach the gospel and share the gospel with them. They go, oh, so you're here protesting the music. And I'm like, no, I didn't say that. But see, in their minds, if you're a Christian and you're standing in front of a poison concert, you've got to be there. Prote- I'm like, I'm not protesting anything. I'm not condemning the band. I'm not condemning them. I, I have no, I have no, there's nothing in value getting in that argument. And I'm like, well, can we put you on camera? I'm like, no, I don't want to be on camera because then it becomes about me. I'm not here to promote me. What do you not understand? I'm not here to promote, promote me. I'm here simply to share the gospel, right? Now, they did write an article about it. I think the Abling Reporter News ended up writing an article about it, but they did say that when asked, 
the two, there was uh, me and my friend, the two young men said that they were not there to protest the music, simply to share the, the good news of Christ. I think that's how it was written. And so I was glad that, but in their minds, we had to be there to protest the music. I'm like, I'm not here to, what, what good would that do? Hey, all of you young people who are probably not saved, don't listen to poison. They're evil. Don't listen to this evil rock and roll. Like, okay, they all run home and stop listening to poison. That doesn't save them. That just gives them a system of morality. So I've, I've watched this culture nonsense play, play itself out. And I, I just, I don't, Christians just seem to look for any, oh, oh, look, 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 look. He said, he said he's going to elect a conservative, uh, you know, someone conservative to the, to the Supreme Court. Okay. Okay. Put a, everyone support him. Make it a big deal about him. And it's like, we, we almost just like, you know, it's like we, we look around and there's someone who seems to be conservative. Say the right conservative words. I know you can't, you can't see me. Now, I don't have a Bible in my hand, but I'm holding a notebook as if it was a Bible. But pretend like I'm holding a Bible in my hand, right? And it's like, okay, I'm holding my Bible. Okay, it's about Jesus. It's about the gospel. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, conservative politician. They will help us. Boom, I just drop the notebook and I go run and just forget the gospel, forget Jesus. But I say that it's about Jesus when really it's about political power and political opportunity. That's what the church keeps falling for. Over and over and over again. So now we have these Christian leaders. You're like, so remember all those wonderful things you said about Putin? All those wonderful things you said about holy Russia? All of those wonderful things about the, and I even played a clip for you just the other day where you had, a, 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 I think, a former GOP Senate candidate saying, you know, I, I'm more in line with Putin's Christian values than I am Biden. And it's like, there's an invasion going on. What? What, what are you talking about? What are you doing? It just shows that the whole political hijacking thing that I've yelled about forever, it's, it's, it's occurred. It's happened. And the church has to wake up. And we've got to get back to just historical, biblical Christianity. Studying the Bible. Preaching the Bible. Sharing the gospel living out our Christian life, praying for this messed up world, engaging in spiritual warfare, and realizing that the answer is the gospel. And you can do everything you can to reshape this world into what you believe is a traditional traditional values and try to save the world morally. You can't, listen, you can't save the wor- world morally without regeneration. Israel had the best moral system you could have, the actual law of God. They act, God's presence was there in the tabernacle. They had priests. They had everything. And what did they do over and over and over? Rebelled, 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 rebelled. Because the law of God, the mora- a moral system, it only exposes the immorality in the heart. And we could go into Romans and look into this. It actually incites it. It almost brings it forth. Whenever the law is presented, it brings it, it incites the rebellion inside. It brings it out because morality constantly demonstrates the immorality in us, which drive us to the cross. But we somehow think we can fix the world by a cultural war and that we need politicians somewhere, no matter how questionable they may be, to fight this war. 
I don't need Putin. I don't need Trump. I need Christ. We need the gospel. We don't need an election. The only election I need is the election that happened before the foundations of the world. Okay, we, we can get into the theological understanding of election, but I'm talking, I don't need an election in this culture. I need Christ and I need the gospel. Christianity spread when they didn't, I mean, well, we could go back into church history and look at all the, how, how did Christianity spread in many cases while it was being persecuted and it had no political favors or political allies. And then when it got political allies, you could argue then Christianity became corrupted. So, all right. That, that won't make me super popular today, but I, I don't, I, I'm, all I can do is continue to warn and plead with people. And you know what? Here's the thing. If you don't like what I say, that's perfectly okay. You've got a whole world of a politically hijacked, politically minded Christianity that you can go associate with and you can go, you can go take your Christianity that direction. I don't want, I don't want any part of it and hopefully it works out for you. But when you wake up one day and realize that you've so corrupted biblical Christianity that it no longer exists, just remember the warning you received February the 28th, 2022, right here on the Theology Central podcast. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.